Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Stop the presses, call your mama, your your grandmama, your friend, your cousin, your neighbor down the street. Let them know that Inked Magazine is on the hunt for their next cover girl, and most important, let them know that Shayla M needs to be that cover girl. Okay, folks, I want you to do me a favor. Head over to Instagram and go over to the account Shayla's Gallery. That's S-H-A-Y-L-A-S-G-A-L-L-E-R-Y. Shayla's Gallery. Check out her bio because there is a link to the Inked Magazine CoverGirl search Click on that. Vote for Shayla M. Let's help our homegirl become the next cover girl for Inked Magazine. It'd be fantastic. You know Shayla. She's a wonderful person. Uh, she has a fantastic and active TikTok, OnlyFans. You know, this is someone who absolutely would love to support and appreciate. And the best part, she'll come on the show and let you know about that. All right. So please, if you do anything this weekend, check out shayla's gallery on instagram click on the inked magazine link in her bio and vote for shayla m that's right you're locked in look at what we have here folks to the only show that matters the cream of the crop duke loves wrestling and there is no one that does it better than your host I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And let me tell you something right now, folks. Super Bowl Sunday is this weekend. And I just want to let you know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to destroy those cheese steak eating no good so-and-so from philadelphia i don't care what adam b from foundation radio says all right so that's a hot take for you any of you out there kansas city is going to destroy philadelphia it's not even going to be a close game i do not see that happening in the end it's going to be at least a touchdown and a field goal at least 10 points kansas city is going to destroy philadelphia just make sure you uh Credit the Duke for letting you know that was going to happen. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, what a, what a week. What a week we have, and it's not even over yet. Uh, I want to give some get well wishes to our friend Jerry the King Lawler. Poor guy had a, a massive stroke that shut down a portion of his brain. But he is on the mend, thank goodness. He was actually communicating with loved ones. So, Jerry, you know, you've been on the show before. Appreciate you, man. Get well soon. For sure. And rest in peace to Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the genius Lanny Poffo. This is the son of Angelo Poffo, who is a legendary figure in the pro wrestling world and you know former promoter and what have you. Also the brother of the macho man Randy Savage. So next week, I am going to air an episode dedicated to the genius Leapin' Lanny Poffo, including a fun story that was told on the show last year uh, by Kiko Harris about the time <laughs> Lanny Poffo, the genius, was flirting with Kiko's lady. So that's that, that's a fun story that I'm going to rehash there. But we're going to talk about his career because I think that there is an entire generation that may not know much about this guy. And he was a big deal, especially in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, Lanny Poffo was a big deal. So be fun to talk about there. That's right. Uh, on this episode, we are going to be talking to Alexi Suplexi, who is the main squeeze of Vicky Dreamboat. And Alexi, you know, really interesting guy, fun to talk with about a whole host of things. You know, we, we didn't talk much about pro wrestling because we were talking about all the other cool things he has going on in his life. So, if you like good conversation, good storytelling, this is definitely an episode that you're going to enjoy. That's right. But before we get into that, I do want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you watch anything this weekend, especially if you're pulling it up on YouTube, 
I want you to check out the promo exchange that Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes had on this past week's uh, WWE Raw. It was as good as you're going to see two people uh, have in terms of an exchange. It's as good as you're going to see these days. I know a lot of people kind of going overboard saying, oh, it's the greatest. It's not the greatest. Stop it right now. But it's very good. And it got emotional. You know, both Cody and Paul had tears in their eyes when they were talking about uh, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, and some really personal stuff that maybe not a lot of folks realize, especially as it relates to the financial challenges that the Rhodes family had at one point when Cody was younger. You know, Dusty was really falling on hard times for sure. And folks like Paul Heyman helped reinvigorate Dusty Rhodes' career. So really interesting promo exchange between the two of them and, and you know, setting up the, the next chapter in this whole Roman Reigns, tribal chief, bloodline story and all the folks who are involved here. Because, you know, Cody is going to be in the main event at, at one of the WrestleMania nights against whoever the champion is. And is that going to be Roman Reigns or is that going to be Sami Zayn? Because at Elimination Chamber, which is up in Canada, Sammy's going to be challenging Roman for both titles. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, the road to WrestleMania is very exciting. And it's it's fun to watch and, and to see everything kind of fall into place. So pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to see what's going to go on between Lashley and, and Brock Lesnar. Because that is a main event anywhere and everywhere, no matter how you slice it. So the fact that that is either going to be at Elimination Chamber or it's going to be at WrestleMania. But you can bet that's a match that we've been waiting years to see. Can't wait for that to happen. And then you have Rhea Ripley, who she's going to be challenging for the Women's Championship. And it looks like she's going to be going up against Charlotte. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun to run that match back. So there's a lot of things falling into place WrestleMania season. Um, so, you know. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. I know that AEW is trying to figure themselves out. They've been featuring more people, you know, different people. They've been future, featuring more male wrestlers of color as of late on their television programs. And, you know, they, they have to build those stars. People like AR Fox. You got to build these stars. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens as it relates to that. Their ratings and their their you know live event attendance have really taken a dive since CM Punk hasn't been around. That's a fact, no matter what anyone tells you. But sometimes you got to take a step backward in order to take three steps forward. And if they continue to promote diversity, they still need to feature more women's wrestling, by the way. But if they continue to, to promote diversity, I think in the long run, they, they are going to find themselves in a position where they're a lot more stable as a promotion. So, you know, time will tell. They keep pushing the date back on that video game that they're going to put out, Fight Forever, which, hey, if you're making sure that it's going to be as entertaining as it possibly can be, I understand. I don't disagree with that because Lord knows you put out a piece of crap and people are going to call it a piece of crap. So, you know, do what you got to do, man, but make sure when it finally comes out, it's something worth playing. WWE has released their stills and a couple of... um videos for the latest 2K game that's coming out, and that should be out in March. So, you know, Fight Forever, they were they were building this thing all year last year, and they still aren't anywhere near a release. Meanwhile, WWE, they, they have the latest installment in their series. So, but, you know, WWE is building off of something that already existed in AEW. They, they started from scratch. There was a, a change in the actual developers. So there was a lot of turmoil that were, was involved in that process. But again, hopefully whatever they come out with is something worth playing. You know, We're getting to the point where AEW's contract is going to be up in December. Their television contract with Warner Brothers Discovery is up in December. And then the network has the option to activate another year. So they could actually keep them on television technically till 2024 if they, if they choose to. But there's no guarantees, man. 
You know, Tony Khan, he's been making the rounds in the media trying to do what he can to make it seem like AEW's all right, they're stable, and he expects them to have a major increase when they get a new contract wherever they end up getting a contract. But that all could just be, you know, smoke and mirrors, man. The guy could be very concerned, and I think he should be, because this landscape is is not easy to predict right now in terms of what's going to happen with television contracts. You know, more people are still watching TV than anything else. More people are still watching TV. Internet streaming has not overtaken television viewing. Hasn't happened yet. But it's definitely cutting into the margins. There's no question about that. So whatever program you put out on television, it needs to be able to draw a stable audience. Especially when when you talk about something like pro wrestling, which doesn't have an off season, so it's on all year round. So, you know, in in that sense, it's valuable. But on the flip side of it is, you got to put out a product that can attract the most diverse kinds of people, including children. And that's certainly not going to happen when you're cussing and you're bleeding and you're carrying on. So. You know, AEW wants to present itself as more of an adult-themed product, and that's okay, but you just got to remember, man, if that's not going to generate enough advertising dollars for the networks, then how are you going to sell it? How are you going to get the contract that you feel you deserve? Because you definitely have a talented roster there. There's no question about that, but it's got to be something that can appeal to the most people. I think they made a huge mistake in their business model focusing on just one particular type of fan and it continues to hurt them, you know, but it's clear that they're trying to figure it out. It's clear that they're throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. And I I think that's great. You know, so this isn't a beat up on AEW session right now. I'm I'm pointing out that I, I recognize that they're trying to make some corrections. The thing is, Tony Khan, you gotta stick with it. Don't don't shy away just because the results aren't coming right away. You got to stick with it. I'm telling you, though, the way to do it is diversity and inclusion, especially as it relates to featuring more women's wrestling, which is still something you're not doing. And that's why I mean, it's, it's it's killing you, your company. It's killing your company because you're going to attract more people in the long run when you do that. Look at the WWE. The people who you claim to compete with. So anyway. I believe that AEW can figure it out. Uh, they just got to make it happen. So, and that that starts at the top. You know, Tony has, because his father is not the one who's making these day-to-day decisions. That's Tony. So Tony has to commit, man. So we'll see. Nick Khan of the WWE, WWE uh, president, he said something interesting. He said a sale of the company could happen within 90 days. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that's a little... Uh, uh, aggressive and presumptuous by Nick Khan, but that's what he claims. He claims, yeah, man, it could, it could, it could only take about 90 days to get, get a deal like this done. And I, certainly Nick knows what he's talking about. He's gotten major deals done in the sports and entertainment world, but I don't know. I'm still not convinced that it's going to be that simple for the WWE to just do a sale. So we'll wait and see what happens. But we do know that I mean, they they cracked $90 again on their stocks. That's, look, man, they're they're firing at all cylinders. They they have never been more valuable than they are right now, WWE. So yes, this is the time to cash out. This is the time to sell. But you got to make sure who you sell it to is going to be a good steward and do right by the company if it's going to continue to be public. Now, if they're just going to take it private, then they can do whatever the hell they want. But we as fans, you, you got to face the reality of the fact that it's a business. This is not something that needs to cater to you as a consumer. You're not the priority, not in the way that, that you think it is. Your entertainment is not a priority. The priority is how much money can we make off of this? Now, one of the ways to make money off it is to deliver on solid entertainment, and we see that. That's why the WWE is so valuable. That's why it continues to make so much money. That's also why a company like Impact Wrestling continues to fail. 
because no matter what they do, they're not consistent with delivering on solid entertainment that's sustainable. So we can see a, a major difference there in company philosophies and understanding of how to make a buck, for lack of a better term. Um, but nothing is more important than the fact that it's a business first. It's not your entertainment fun time. Nobody cares about us in that regard. They care about how much money they can get out of us. And certainly the WWE is the circus. It's the greatest show on earth. It's just the way it is. So, you know, selling the company and, and doing what they have to do in order to generate as much money as possible, continue to keep kids in, engaged as much as they can, things like that. Those are the focus. Those are the things that are paramount. And your entertainment and whatever storyline you like and who you want to see pushed and who you think should be champion, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. We as as lifelong fans, especially we elder folks, you know, they they've kind of squeezed us as much as they can. They got to go after the kids, man. And it's always been that way. I think a lot of fans, they think that they're more important than they are. It's like we're not. You. Mr. Mr. 30 plus year old, you're not that important. You're just not. Your kids, if you have any, or your little brothers or your little nephews or whatever, they're the important ones. They're the next generation. They're the ones. You could drop dead tomorrow. Those kids are likely going to stick around. They're the ones that they got to squeeze the dollars out of. Got to get, you know, they're the ones who are more likely to, to want to get the T-shirts and the, and the toy belts and all that stuff. They're the ones. Squeeze them. And ultimately, that's squeezing you if, if that's your kid or if that's somebody that you care enough about to spend the money on. But you get my point. So, you know, everybody wants to feel important. Everybody wants to be made important. But you just got to recognize you're important to you, but you're not important to the people who are making the buck. They just care about making the buck. <laughs> And I think the, the, the more we come to grips with that, the better off we'll all be. So I'll just leave it at that. That's for sure. Definitely want to give a shout out to Mission Pro Wrestling. They got a big event coming up on Saturday. So you folks definitely check out Title Match Wrestling Network there for information on Mission Pro Wrestling's next event. I know folks like Tiffany Nieves is going to be in the house, you know, which I'm pretty excited about. Vicky Dreamboat. You know, I mentioned her earlier. She's going to be in the house for Mission Pro Wrestling's uh, next event there on Title Match Network. So should be fun, man. I, I, I'm i very um, impressed with Mission Pro. They continue to chug along. They continue to figure out how to find the best women's wrestling talent out there and feature them and put them in positions where they can be seen by these major companies. And certainly all you got to do is tune into WWE or AEW and you can see it. You know, a lot of these women who who wrestle in Mission Pro, they end up in these other places, too, and they, they get signed. So there's something to it, man. If you want to see the next potential breakout star, then you definitely should be checking out Mission Pro Wrestling. So Saturday, February 11th, title match uh, wrestling network there. The name of the event is Kickstart My Heart. That's pretty clever. <laughs> it's going to be at least eight matches uh, featured there. So definitely check it out. I think tickets are still available. So you can go head over to uh, missionprowrestling.com for more information on that. But it should be cool. If you're down there in the Texas area, you definitely want to check it out. And uh, that takes care of that. So we're going to take a quick pause for the cause. And then when we return, my exclusive conversation with the one, the only, Alexi Suplexi. I want to remind you to check out Zencaster. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. That is my favorite program to use for all my recording needs. And the great part is not only do they have audio, but they also have video options as well. So whether you're video conferencing, podcasting, just catching up with friends and loved ones, you definitely want to check out Zencaster. They have uh, paid subscriptions. They also have a free version, which I'm actually using right now. Transcripts, the whole nine yards, and even, get this, 
Zencaster has started to do hosting. So for all you podcasters out there, if you're looking for a host for your show, please consider Zencaster. You will not regret it. I'm telling you right now. Once again, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Made on Zencaster. That's right. Hello, everybody. I am Alexei Suplexi, most mighty Russian wrestler. And you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. You know, folks, I, I love when I talk to interesting people. And certainly we've been spoiled with those types of guests here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast for close to seven straight years now. It's crazy. This show's been around so long. And, you know, I, I, I listen out to certain things and, and make mental notes here. And when we had Vicky Dreamboat on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast not too long ago, uh, she mentioned her her honey bunny, her sweetheart, <laughs> the guy that she tells him which chores he has to do, but she's careful because he has bigger muscles than her, which is very hard to believe until you see this guy, then you understand because, you know, Vicky, she's pretty buff. So I said to myself, you know, I got to get this guy on the show because he sounds really, really interesting. And now here he is, Alexi Suplexi. Welcome to Duke Loves Wrestling, man. How you doing? I am doing very good. Thanks thanks for having me on. I'm not going to do the voice the whole time. I was going to say, it's got to be <laughs> tough to do the voice all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, it really strains right down from the core. Now, now are you are you Russian? Is that a, is that a thing here? Oh, you know, yeah, that's the dirty secret of Alexei Suplexi. I don't have a drop of Russian blood in me. Incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. So, because here's what I wonder about. You know, you might mess around and, you know, Vladimir might see you and say, oh, yes, that's, that's you know, our favorite wrestler now. You know, he might try <laughs> to adopt you. How would you even deal with something like that? Oh, if Vladimir ever decided he was a... um an Alexi Suplexi fa- fan, I suppose I would have to cut a promo where I said that he needs to be put in his place. <laughs> I don't know how it'll work out. You know, Vladimir, he, he rides horses short, shirtless. So you, know, you gotta <laughs> any anyone who's man enough to do that, he must be pretty serious. You know what I mean? So that's well, hey, I grew up with horses. I, I and I know how to take my shirt off, so I'll 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 match him. Well, speaking of that. I mean, you're a pretty buff dude, man, and, and I, I wonder about this because with J- Vicky Dreamboat, I mean, she got muscles upon muscles, and then we look at you, and it's like, oh, that's a whole other level of that. So where does this come from? I mean, how long did it take you to sculpt this this uh, muscle-bound body of yours here? You know, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm confused by that because Vicky is way more uh, ripped and shredded and muscular than me, I suppose. Um, I, uh, I, I think I just have maybe good bone structure. I mean, I, 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 I go to the gym with Vicky and we, you know, we'll do both kind of veer off and do our thing and do our squats and our deadlifts and stuff. Um, but I don't have, uh, a, like the most rigorous, uh, particular, um, workout regimen. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers who, <laughs> who have much more of it than me. Um, one of the things that Vicky sometimes uh, gets upset about it is I, I am sort of just blessed with biceps. I've like, I've barely done any curls in my life and I just have biceps. So, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say about that other than, um, I think I just, uh, you know, I worked on a pumpkin farm in high school and I just retained sort of farmer strength. Now this is pretty serious. You worked on a pumpkin farm. So what does that mean? I mean, are you, are you growing <laughs> the pumpkins or are you just picking them? What is, what is this all about? Oh, it meant that my aunt and uncle um, were pumpkin farmers in Wisconsin. And during football season, while all the other guys in high school were on the football team, I wanted to make, you know, I was, I was um, the early 2000s. I went to high school 2000, 2000 to 2004. And so $7 an hour cash felt like a lot of money to me. Um, so I, I wanted to work out in the field and pick pumpkins. Um, uh, so that's what I did after school every day go there and um it was great you know just be out in the sunshine and pick up tiny little pumpkins or great big pumpkins pumpkins that it takes two or more guys to lift and just walk through the field and do that um so that's that was my you know job in high school now are you a guy that can actually 
you know, eat pumpkin now since you have that experience with actually picking it and working on a pumpkin farm? I mean, are we are we getting the the uh, pumpkin lattes and things like that? Uh, no, I'm not really into those. I drink my coffee black. Um, but, uh, you know, I like pumpkin seeds and pumpkin pie, I suppose. I'm going to give you a quick tip here. If you are ever out and about, I think Target and Walmart, places like that, Patty LaBelle's pumpkin pie, patty pies. Okay, it's usually patty during pies. the holidays. I'm telling you right now, man, the best pumpkin pie you'll ever buy. Okay, I, I wrote a note of it. I wrote it down. There it is. Like there. <laughs> you know who Patty LaBelle is, the, the the famous singer and what have you. But she's also pretty serious about cooking. So I, I would be curious to hear what Alexi Suplexi thinks about patty pies. That this might be a whole viral YouTube moment for you, man. Since you're you're technically an expert on pumpkins. Well, I, well, I got to tell you this. Uh, Vicky has recently taken up baking. She so you know for Christmas she got a mixer and all the different baking supplies, and she bakes a lot now. So I can tell you, I already know for certain, Patty Labelle's pumpkin pie is not as good as Vicky's pumpkin pie. She hasn't even made one yet, but I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that's the case. You know, happy wife, happy life. I, I know what's going <laughs> on here. Alexi Suplexi is making sure that he stays out of the doghouse. This is very important. Here. <laughs> But you know, Vicky, Vicky's family, um, outside of, of of you and your side of the family, don't they own like a bakery or something like that? That she has experience with baking, right? That's right. Vicky's mom is a very accomplished baker. She's got a business where she um she ships bakes baked goods all over the country. There it is. Sing you a song, bake you a cake, the whole nine yards. There, I love it. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> now, talk to me about comedy because. This is a passion of yours, and it's something that you were so into that you decided to invest, you know, basically your savings into opening up various comedy businesses, right? Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah, so I guess I'll go back um, a ways. Uh, so I started doing improv comedy when I was in high school. Uh, so I, was, I suppose I was 16 at the time. And, you know, I was really into, I was into the theater department and, uh, you know, me and my friends were kind of goofballs. And so one day the theater teacher, her name was Nancy, <clears throat> she handed me a, a letter that she got from a place called Comedy Sports in Milwaukee. And she said, go find out what this is all about. And it was um, a letter inviting high school kids to go join their high school league. And so we went up there and we started taking the classes and stuff and I fell in love with it. And then I started going and see the shows and I fell in love with improv comedy and um, so fast forward several years, I'm in college and I'm still doing improv on the weekends and I'm taking classes and I'm doing some stand up um, and, you know, theater and all that. And then right after college, um, like very quickly after college, I got an email from the owner over at Comedy Sports, it's got a guy named Dick Chudnow, inviting me to uh, do a show. And I did the show and I did a good job in it, I suppose. And so they kept in, So then I became... Uh, one of their pro players there doing the comedy sports format, which I can tell you more about in a second, um, which is very akin. Like it's, it's why I understood wrestling so well is because comedy sports and wrestling have a very similar philosophy, but, um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I was a, a high school theater teacher for my, my shoot job. And then on the <clears throat> weekends I was doing improv comedy, um, at comedy sports, and I did that for about three years. Um, and, you know, during the same time, I was also doing stand-up and a bunch of other stuff. And eventually I thought, well, I've kind of reached the um, the ceiling of, of how much a guy can do comedy-wise in the city of Milwaukee. So I uh, decided, what, what's my next move? And I, didn't, I knew I wasn't a New York, Los Angeles, or Chicago guy. Those places just, I knew they weren't going to fit my personality. So I just picked a city that seemed cool to me. I was a big fan of Soundgarden and Chris Cornell and Audio Slave. Maybe that was an influence on it, but I ended up picking Seattle. Um, and part of it, part of that was because I knew there wasn't a comedy sports club in Seattle. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go there and I'm going to start a comedy sports. Um, so I, I went there with that ambition in mind, um, drove across the country. I took a really long, the really scenic route to get from Milwaukee to Seattle, the, the way, the route that goes through New York and Texas, I did a huge loop around the country and I stopped at as many improv comedy clubs uh, that would 
have us as I could. And um, I just talked with the owners and got sort of a list of best practices in my mind. And then when I got to Seattle, I, uh, I got a job that would, you know, basically I was a, I was a parts delivery driver. Um, it was a, it was a really awful job um, uh, for a marine electronics company, but I took it cause you know, that was what was paying. Um, and then on the, you know, I, I spent all, all of my free time building up this um, improv comedy troupe that was a comedy sports. Um, so I applied for the license to get it and everything. And that was a whole process, but uh, we didn't have a venue at first. We were sort of nomadic performing where we could and when we could. And then after a uh, year and change, we had kind of built up an audience. Um, and I decided to, because uh, uh, of a few variety of different factors, I decided it was time to, f- to find a venue of our own. And I, I really lucked out. I found this theater that was in this neighborhood called Fremont. That was, was sort of, at the time, it was sort of a speakeasy theater because no one knew it was there. It was behind a thrift store. Um, and I lucked out because someone had told me that, you know, a decade earlier, there had been a theater in Fremont and no one and, but no one could remember where it was. And I, I just, so I was just literally walking into businesses going, Hey, um, is, does there happen to be a theater in the back room here? And eventually there was a place I walked into a thrift store and they said, yeah, actually there is a theater in the back room that we just use for storage. And so I, I rented out that theater and we started doing shows, uh, fast forward several years from there, the thrift store goes out of business and I take over the lease for the whole space. So we expand and we start using the additional space for, I built out a second theater and we're doing shows in there and we're teaching classes and during the week in, in both locations and, and all this. Um, and I, so that's, and I just built that and grew that, um, improv comedy club for 10 years. So that was CSZ Seattle. Um, so I could go on with the story, but I feel like that's a lot. You might have some questions. <laughs> Well, I mean that's that's really really interesting. I, I I perked up when I heard that Chris Cornell uh, thing. There, you're a big fan of his music. You know, something about that guy is is so different than what people may assume at first glance. Because yeah, clearly he's a he's a big fan of rock music, but he's obviously influenced by the blues and R and B. And you really start to notice it when you li- when you listen to some of the songs that he chose to cover. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you realize, oh, okay, so you, you're influenced by something that is an offshoot of this, or vice versa. But you're, you know, he's not just some hard rocking guy. There's, there's a lot more layers to that dude. So that's, it's interesting that you're a big fan of his. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, I started listening to him. You know, for the Audio Slave albums, Audio Slave formed. <clears throat> they, I think they came up with their first album when I was in high school. And so I, I got, I heard, heard it on the radio and bought the album and listened to it until the CD was too scratched to listen to anymore. And then bought a new one, kept and listened to that one. Um, and then I, so then I was like, well, I wanted more. So I started to look back at Soundgarden and then, and then around that time, Chris Cornell started releasing solo stuff. Um, uh, and of course, then I was also discovering like Temple of the Dog and all this. And, um, and it was like, yeah, to, to your point, like, yeah, it's very bluesy in some of his stuff. Really, he really slows it down. And basically anything with Chris Cornell and an acoustic guitar, um, I'm sold. Yeah, same here, man. I mean, it's, it's funny. He, he helped me understand uh, Led Zeppelin. Because, you know, you, you know Zeppelin exists, a big rock, one of the biggest, greatest rock bands of all time. Yeah, sure. Um, but listening to some of his covers made me go back and, and be interested in the originals. You know, thank you, some of these songs. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is, whoa. All right, this is blues, man. This is blues rock, but it's blues. Yeah. You know, you know, you know it's funny. The thing that made me understand Led Zeppelin was I for years growing up I didn't I didn't get it I didn't like Led Zeppelin I thought it's just kind of all over the place they're just making noises and then someone told me um, Led Zeppelin doesn't make music they make uh, sex in the airwaves and I listened to it through that lens and I was like oh yeah this is good <laughs> yeah it's a totally different perspective right that's it, it's yeah. it's funny I, I like that that actually makes a lot of sense um, because there are songs like No Quarter and songs like that which are just so completely not a radio song mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of emotion there that now that that makes sense you know sex on the airwaves that, that makes a lot of sense there um it's interesting you it, it, listening to your journey and and knowing that you know somebody like 
Cornell had such an influence over you, it it starts to make you make more sense too. So hmm. talk to me about this this um, comedy sports thing. I mean, I, I've never heard that term before. It's is it? You said there's a philosophy behind it as well. What is this? Yeah. So first, I'll tell you what comedy sports is. Um, comedy sports is improv comedy played as a sport. So. You know, probably the, mo- the the improv comedy people are most familiar with is Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know, that's the improv that did the best on TV. Um, and, you know, every episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway, they say this is the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Well, comedy sports has a different philosophy. Everything's made up, but in comedy sports, the points do matter. It is a sport. So there's a referee and there's two teams of improv comedians and they're competing to be the funnier team. And so there's a team in red jerseys and there's a team in blue jerseys. And, you know, the referee is in charge of getting the suggestions and calling the fouls. Um, It's so the fouls in a comedy sports match, there's two fouls. Uh, One foul is the out of bounds foul. That's the foul that just keeps it a, an all ages family friendly show so that you could bring the kids to it because if a player says anything that kind of goes out of bounds of, of family friendly content, then, you know, then they lose a point for their team. Um, But there's another foul called the, uh, the groaner foul, which is if you say something that's, that's too dad jokey, too punny that, so that, rather than the audience laughing, they, they groan, you know, like how people, uh, to a dad joke. Well, if that happens, then the, uh, the offending player has to make a, an apology to the audience for being so unfunny. Um, and if the audience accepts their apology by a round of applause, they don't lose any points, but if they deny their apology, they lose a point for their team. And so, yeah, I mean, that's comedy sports, uh, and there's comedy sports is in over 25 cities around the country. Um, if you're curious to find one near you, go to csworldwide.com or just type comedy sports worldwide, um, and you can find the, the nearest location. So, um, obviously, I started the one in Seattle, and I started at the one in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee was the original. The Milwaukee's a, it's a, you know, a 200 seat arena with a full bar and restaurant. It's an awesome facility. So if you ever, and and it's great shows. If you're ever passing through Milwaukee, go check out a show there. But like I said, there's comedy sports in in a lot of cities around the country. Um, And then your second question was the philosophy. Earlier, I said that um, comedy sports and pro wrestling have a a very similar philosophy. Well, the philosophy of comedy sports, as stated by the, the founder, Dick Chudnow, is we play to win, but we don't care if we lose. Um, and that is to say, uh, really, at the end of the day, winning uh, is, 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 is winning over the audience, making the audience care about the outcome, making the audience care about every game. Um, and so you can see that there's some parallels there with, with wrestling. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And, and I'm, I'm very curious to see this executed. Um, in the in the comedy sports sense, there, I think that's something that I'm going to be into a little bit more. Uh, so I appreciate you plugging it and letting us know where around the nation we can get a there. Um, yeah, and you, you know, real real quick, by the way, if you want to see a really good example of that, um, you could go to alexgrindeland.com. That's my personal website, a l e x g r i n d e l a n d dot com, and uh, if you t- click improv videos, the very first video is a comedy sports world championships match from a couple years ago um, that takes place in my club in Seattle that I was the referee for, uh, and it happened to be um, my Seattle club versus the Portland team, uh, and so that's and it's 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 super fun, and I think you should check it out. And I'll definitely uh, I'll put the website in the notes of this episode, folks. So you'll definitely uh, encourage you to check it out. I, I'm curious, you know. In fact, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on it next week. So I'll check it out and then do a follow up on that because I, I I'm very very curious about this. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, Alexi, because I've been doing this show for close to seven years now. In fact, right after WrestleMania, it would be the seven year anniversary of Duke Loves Wrestling. And I have a couple other shows as well. So I, I'm coming up on, I've, I've done nearly a thousand, I've, I've interviewed nearly a thousand people. 
Mm-hmm. That'll be the, the total amount of people that I've been in this. And, and I've, I've learned to make it more of a conversation and less of an interview per se. Interviews are very stuffy. People get self-conscious. When you're just having a conversation, shooting the breeze, it's a lot easier to do. So I've, I've learned to do that. But um, one of the things I've noticed is that it's very difficult for most people to think on their feet, mm-hmm. at least out loud, to communicate on your feet, to answer questions and, and be able to transition and things like that. So that's why it's very important for whomever is is facilitating the conversation. You know, you really have to be aware and pay attention in order to help your guests, you know, give them a life raft at times when they need it. Um, so I bring that up because I, I think that improv is something that requires a tremendous amount of skill and a different type of intelligence because you're constantly thinking on your feet and processing and and you you have to know when to transition which pro wrestling requires that as well so it's it's really interesting and and I'm you know I, you brought up whose line is it anyway that type of comedy I can find something that I like but I I'm not really the biggest fan of it but when I think of you know, examples like uh, The Office, especially the the UK version, uh, Veep, which is on HBO. These are shows that left room for improv. So, you know, there's there's some examples there. But the best example for me as a fan um, is Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. That type of improv is just fascinating to me because, yeah, they, they have a story that they need to tell. But a lot of what you hear in the middle is is them just filling in the gaps and and yeah. and painting the picture there and that really again you know as somebody who has conversations with people on these shows it's very difficult for people to think on their feet so when you see something like that in action it's like whoa talk to me about the skill of improv because i, I don't think a lot of people realize that that's exactly what it is it's a skill man i think a lot of times people say uh uh uh, improv how could you pack practice improv right um and it's and the answer is sort of like well uh how do you practice basketball <laughs> you know it's it's a series of um skills that you know that you basically you, you have to have a tool belt and as you learn more you put more tools into your belt um and so you you decide what tool to use at the appropriate time so there's not with a lot of things, people want there to be one silver bullet of like, what's the secret? What's the one thing I need to know to be better at improv? And there, there, there isn't one. There's just like, a, there's a bunch of tools and a belt. Um, now, in terms of the skills, I'd say that uh, there's, <clears throat> there's one of them is just sort of um, getting comfortable in your own confidence. Uh, the way we say it is um, playing from a place of joy. And so this is to say, that even if you've had kind of a crummy day, uh, you got to well, well up artificial joy until you can trick your body and your mind into believing it's real joy. Because the audience will always reflect back to you what you're sending to them. So if the audience feels that you're nervous or scared or embarrassed, um, they'll, that's what we call the pucker factor. You know, they're I don't know what the content rating on your uh, podcast here is, but there we'll just say it there. Their behinds will pucker up for you and send there'll be, they'll be, they'll be tightened up and they won't want to, uh, they won't be able to laugh. The other way I would put it is like, if, if people are <clears throat> leaning forward because they're trying to figure out what's going on, you know, with you or, or whatever from that, if you picture a person sitting in a chair, leaning forward, um, that's not a position that they're necessarily going to laugh from because they're trying to, they're trying to do sort of like, they're trying to figure something out. It's a little bit like they're trying to do math. Right. Um, but as soon as you've made them so comfortable that because you come across as being confident, uh, then they can just lean back in their chair and relax. And that is a, that is a, a physical body position that is, you know, physiologically more prone to people just enjoying what they're seeing. You know, you think about when you're just really enjoying a movie, um, you know, if it's the really intense part of the movie, sure, you're leaning forward. But for the part where you're laughing, you're just busting a gut. It's, it's because you've relaxed yourself and you've relaxed yourself because you're, you feel that what you're watching is confident in itself. 
Um, and so we teach people, you know, we teach classes, Improv Comedy 101, 201, 301, and we do it through both of my improv clubs, one, the one here in Jacksonville, First Coast Comedy, and the one in Seattle, which is CSZSeattle.com, which is shorthand for comedy sports. But um, yeah, that's, we teach people the skills of showmanship, so to speak, um, how to play from a place of joy, and then sort of through that, let your genuine personality come out. You hear, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard people in wrestling say that like the best wrestling personas are taking a real, a real aspect of somebody's personality and just amplifying it. Um, and I would say that that's the same for comedy. You know, you, you can't go up there and try to be some other comedian you've seen. You've got to, you got to find a way to make it your own. You've got to find a way to, to take real aspects of your personality and, and blow them up big enough to be stage worthy. That's well said, you know, is, is well said. And I, I think that it's interesting because in addition to all of this, you've, you've taken these skills and you've put it into pro wrestling. I mean, what made you decide to give pro wrestling a, a try and add that to your two bit belt as well? Yeah, good question. So a few years ago, um, not more than a few years ago now, um, I, you know, because I was running the improv club in Seattle, it started to occur to me that most environments I was in, because now, you know, when you're in entertainment, you hang out with other people in that same type of entertainment. And I, I just started to realize that in most of my social circles and places I was going and doing things and hanging out, I was sort of look, viewed as being the guy in charge. Um, and that and that bleeds over in ways, uh, you know, like even if your people are like, well, where are we going to go next? Are we going to go to this bar? Are we going to go to this restaurant? could feel a certain amount of like people looking at me and I'm like, no, no, I'm not the boss right now. <laughs> and so, um, you know, cause you don't always want to be in charge of everything. Um, so I decided I, t I made a concerted effort to, to start uh, taking on hobbies that had, that were, I was in no way, shape or form the, the boss. And so <clears throat> one of those was I, you know, I started taking Spanish classes um, just cause I wanted to be back in that learner mindset of where I'm, I'm not an expert of, of what's going on. And then someone told me that there was a, a gym called evolve fitness that was at the time associated with three, two, one battle, which was, a, which was, a, is a now since no longer existent, but, um, pro wrestling promotion in Seattle it was an indie promotion. Um, <clears throat> and they were teaching classes and they had a weekly weekly drop-in classes on, uh, was, I think it was Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, and so I just signed up and started going to it and was like, this is awesome. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's the, that's where I met, um, Dean Cooper, the ultimate guy, uh, at the time I just knew him as Cooper. Um, and, uh, so I just started taking these and, and I, you know, I remember when I first started the guy who was in charge of everything, his name was Steve. He said to me, um, you know, what's your goal here? And <clears throat> I, I saw all these guys, you know, I'm already at that point in my thirties. And so I, I was, I didn't really have, I thought, I thought, Oh, it'd be cool if someday I was um, in the, in the shows, if I was wrestling, but um, I'm not in a rush because I get, I get the performance juice every weekend. I, you know, do four or five shows a week uh, for improv comedy. So I, I don't, and, and that also means that I can't do what a lot of these workers do where they, they, you know, on a, uh, on the drop of a hat drive, you know, six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours uh, to do a show. Um, and then, you know, drive back the same night. Like I just, I just didn't have I mean, that was not, that's not the place in my life that I was at. So I was very happy to just go to the classes. It's, you know, it's a pretty good workout and I'm learning. I'm, I, it's, it's kind of, it's fun to be in that beginner position where you don't know things. I like learning. Um, I like that experience. Um, and so I just kept doing it. Uh, and then, uh, eventually, uh, uh, parallel to that, um, one of my competitor improv comedy clubs in Seattle, uh, Jet City Improv, who, when I say competitor, I mean, we, we're, I'm very friendly with all the managers over there. So it's, it's sort of like, you can imagine, like, if you're both in the same industry, uh, we very much had the attitude of a rising tide lifts all ships. But in any case, I saw that they were putting up a show that was uh, a parody of, of that show, Glimmer. I mean, sorry, a parody of that show, Glow, on, on Netflix. And their show was called Glimmer. 
And so I thought, well, if I'm ever going to do a long run show that requires a bunch of rehearsals and everything, if I'm ever going to audition for one at a theater that I directly compete with, um, this is the one I want to do. And so I went and auditioned for it. And, you know, the director knew that I was, al I was already training pro wrestling. Um, and uh, I got cast and uh, Vicky was in the same cast. Uh, and that's how we met. We met in an improv comedy show that was about wrestling. And so um, myself uh, and um, uh, another uh, worker named Carlina, uh, she was primarily, but I was helping her to teach um, the ladies in the cast um, the little I knew at the time about wrestling so that their moves would look um, uh, more authentic. Um, and uh, then I started and I, I thought, well, hey, ladies, if you're going to be in a parody of wrestling, you should go do an actual wrestling training. And so I invited a bunch of them to come out to a wrestling training. Um, and they did. And um, Vicky did. And uh, then it was like a couple, maybe a week later, we, we, or a couple of weeks, man, I don't know how long later, a month later, but we did three of these shows and or three or four of them. I don't remember exactly how many, but, um, and they were a blast. They're super fun, funny shows. Um, the girls knew that I was pretty comfortable getting beat up. So they, they just used, they just beat the snot out of me every show pretty much. Um, and, uh, and then, and then, you know, COVID happened and everything got shut down and I couldn't train wrestling anymore. And so my friend Cooper, Dean Cooper, um, he uh, being uh, a wrestler through and through, he he couldn't take it. He he didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't like this not being able to wrestle thing. So he just went ahead and bought a ring. Uh, and so then I started training there, and uh, he invited uh, Vicky to train there as well. And so now Vicky and I we had already been getting to know each other pretty well, but now we're spending more time together even. Uh, training at uh, Dean in Dean Cooper's backyard, being trained by Dean Cooper. Um, so that's a lot. Um, I guess I'll pause there and see see what kind of questions you got. Well, okay. So you 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 know this this is the improv master over here, folks. So he, he I asked him one question, he answered it, and he transitioned to something totally different, but even more interesting. So you were kind of a sly dog here. You you were able to use pro wrestling to land your wife, basically, huh? Uh, I, I mean, it's pro wrestling and improv. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> now, was this was this like a, a master plan since you're a guy who is always uh, thinking and practicing and things like this? Did you did you figure, you know what? She's it. She's a dreamboat. I got to have her. So, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes, man. We're going to do the comedy thing. We're going to do the wrestling thing. And every chance I get, I'm going to flex my amazing biceps here and hopefully that'll <laughs> that'll land this dreamboat well to be sure when i first met her um i uh w uh, was uh, very enamored and so i was f of course finding reasons to invite her to do things and it's like i thought oh you want to go to a wrestling training with me um oh do you want to go get coffee um oh you want to and, you know, because I was I wasn't going to be we, we were in a show together. Right. Like when you're in a cast together, you can't be too abrupt, too quick, because if it goes south, you got to spend six more weeks of seeing each other all the time. And so I was, you know, just taking it easy. Um, but uh, it pretty quickly became apparent that we both um, uh, were, were making eyes at each other. I love it, man. You 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 sealed the deal, okay? Once again, you <laughs> used your your improv and pro wrestling skills to uh, to win the championship. You know, let's let's call it what it is. There, so good stuff. Yeah. Again, shout out to Vicky Dreboat. This is fun. This is fun. So so, Alice, tell me what's um, what's in store in terms of the future now? Because you you have multiple comedy clubs. You know, you're doing the pro wrestling thing, and you're the you're the the guy that everyone looks to for leadership in general. So what's, what's 2023 have in store for you? Oh, um, we've got a few things on the burners that I can't, I uh, can't go into particular detail right now with, but um, basically we're thinking about more ways to get ourselves out there um, and uh, make the comedy we're doing more accessible to a wider audience. Um, 
And as far as wrestling, at least for me, my path with wrestling is going to basically maintain the course and speed, which is, you know, I, I like to wrestle when it's fun, when I'm wrestling with my friends and I get to do a fun character and make the crowd laugh and shout and shout some more and laugh some more. Are we going to see more wrestling incorporated into your clubs? Our club, in particularly the one in Florida, probably has more crossover with pro wrestling than just about any other improv club you can imagine, just because of obviously myself and Vicky perform there every week. And then as a result of that, we've got we've got friends who are wrestlers who show up to the theater. Um, you know, the renegade renegade twins um, are not infrequently at <laughs> at the theater um, and others. Um, so it's just one of our uh, improv performers noted that he was like, it's, I can't imagine there's any other improv club that just happens to have more, um, more crossover with wrestling. than this one. Well, you know what? You got to settle something for me. I'm glad you brought them up. The renegade twins, uh, great friends of the show. In fact, that's how I was introduced to uh Vicky dreamboat. I, I had been keeping up with her wrestling anyway, but the renegade twins kind of put us together here. So I, I I got a little thing going with them. Uh, it's a big problem. You know, mm. other, other than me shouting out their lovely mother, the Mama Renegade, who, you know, I, I, I keep be, I getting myself in trouble by bringing her up. But uh, <laughs> you know, I shout her every chance I get. And I don't care what uh, Charlotte has to say about that or Robin, but that's another story. But I am a big fan of ice cream, just like the Renegade twins are. But okay. my favorite ice cream flavor is bubblegum ice cream. Okay. I'm old school. Not a lot of people know about bubblegum ice cream. You really got to be a big ice cream fan to know about that. And it's, it's a thing, especially here on the East coast. I'm in Boston. Um, and the renegade twins seem to believe that that's the most disgusting thing they ever heard of. And I know, you know, these are young people, so they don't know any better. You're a couple of years younger than me. You're not as young as they are. Uh, so you may be able to relate. So Alexi Suplexi, will you let the world know right now that bubblegum ice cream is the greatest flavor of ice cream on the planet and the Renegade Twins are wrong? Oh, so you want me to make a – that's a pretty controversial statement you're asking me to make there. I could lose <laughs> – I could lose a lot of followers. I could lose a lot of, I could lose friends, you know? Um, so uh, here's what I'll say. say. Um, personally, I don't chew bubble gum. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like the texture. Um, the flavor's fine. Um, and just be, uh, as a consequence of me not liking bubble gum, uh, I don't like bubble gum ice cream. Uh, uh, so, but you know, this is a subjective thing to you. I celebrate you for finding the ice cream for you. For me, it's all the basics. It's all chocolate. It's all vanilla. It's all caramel. Okay. So, I mean, you were doing so well throughout, (laughs) you know, nearly almost 40 minutes of the best content. And then you just did this heel turn. So I need Alexi Suplexi in the words of the, of the greatest of all time, the nature boy, Ric Flair, the man, I need you to get out of this business, get rid of your contracts, all of them, even if you don't have a contract, sign one and then get rid of it. And I need you to get out of my life for the disrespect that you just gave bubblegum ice cream. You will not speak to Alexis Suplexi in this manner. If you turn around, you will see I have already planted bears in your apartment there. They are behind you on chains, and at the snap of my finger, they will come, and they will tear you to shreds. <laughs> that that sounds very scary, so I don't want any part of that. <laughs> Listen, Alexi, why don't you let everybody know? I, I know you mentioned um, your your website once, but go go down the list. Give everybody the information. What's the best way that they can keep up with you? And more importantly, check out your businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, my personal website where you can find uh, links to just about all of Alexi Suplexi's matches are is alexgrindeland.com, A-L-E-X-G-R-I-N-D-E-L-A-N-D.com. Um, you can also follow Alexi Suplexi on Instagram as Alexi Suplexi or on Twitter as Alexi Suplexi or on Facebook as Alexi Suplexi. For if you happen to be passing through Jacksonville, uh, you can go to firstcoastcomedy.com where you can see 
myself and Vicky performing in live improv comedy shows basically every single weekend, four times a weekend. Um, you can also catch us often at the Colonial Oak in St. Augustine. We have a show there every Wednesday. Um, and if you want to um, check out comedy sports and you're in Seattle, go go see go to go check out the club that I own, and and you can walk into CSZ Seattle. The website is CSZSeattle.com. Um, I know that C, S, and Z all sound similar, so just Google Comedy Sports Seattle. You'll find it. Um, and then you walk in and tell them you know Alexi Suplexi, and it will get you nothing. Um, and uh, that's what you should do. Now, before I let you go, because I, I did this with your wife, and it was a huge hit. So, you know, oh, that did that did not come out right. I'm sorry. I don't want any problem. <laughs> you, um, hit, you, you have hit my wife. What is my little you Release the bears. You know what I mean? That's, that's not good. But we talked about food. And, and, you know, Duke loves wrestling. And Duke definitely loves food. And I enjoy talking to people about it, even though you, you kind of whiffed on the whole uh, bubblegum ice cream thing. But let's see if you can redeem yourself. Your, your family are... I know that you're you're born and raised here in the United States, but is your family, do you have any other cultures mixed in there? Yeah, so my family is very, very Norwegian. So my, and we're uh, not talking about the cruise line, folks. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> le- legitimately uh, the culture here. So, so let me ask you this. During the holidays, we want some Norwegian food. We need the real stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, what are we getting and why? So not just the name of it, but what is what actually is the dish and why? First thing you want to get is some lefse. Uh, it, w- it would look to you like a tortilla that's just kind of rolled up, um, but it's actually a, like a very, very thin potato pancake. And there's many ways, you, you know, you can fill them with all manner of things in the same way you can fill a tortilla with all manner of things. But but the Grindeland way the, of doing it is just butter and sugar, just a bunch of butter and a bunch of sugar, roll it up. It's delicious. You got, you got your, your starch, your sugar, your, your dairy. That's all, it's all the food groups right there. Um, you're also going to want some krumkaka. Uh, krumkaka would be like a, a thin buttery cookie, uh, that is made in a particular krumkaka press so that it's sort of, uh, in the same way that a waffle kind of decorates it uh it has a very it has a sort of a design on it so get some lefse and some krumkaka and the other i suppose the other thing you need to know is if you drop your lefse or your krumkaka on the floor if you want to be a real norwegian you say ufta uh ufta can is basically appropriate for any situation um if uh if, if it's worse than dropping your lefse and your krumkaka on the floor if say maybe you get into a fender bender um, you might say, oof, the neda, right? And if it's, uh, you get into a fender bender uh, with a truck full of krumkaka and lefse, and it all pours out onto the street and causes a 50 car, car pileup, then you might say, oof, the neda, name and hard set. Uh, so these are the levels of ufta that you can use. Um, and so if you, want it, if you want legitimacy around uh, Norwegians, that's what you'll say. Fantastic conversation there with our man, Alexi Suplexi. Really interesting guy. Really intelligent guy. You know, easy to talk to. Definitely has a lot to expand upon, which I love. You know, I like engaging people. I like people who give you a little bit more than what you asked for because it can help you better understand who you're talking to and what they're really about. And what I like is that the more... And, and this is for all you wrestlers out there. The more you're willing to open up, the more stuff fans can relate to. You know, Alexi talking about the type of music he was into and how that's affected his life and all the way down to where he chose to move and set up his business and things like that. That's a big deal, man. So that whole thing that we did talking about Chris Cornell, I mean, that, that wasn't planned. But that was a point that I can relate to. And I found that completely fascinating. And it's bigger than pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is related to it. But it's like, okay, so this you're into this, this musician and the messages that they have in their music. And that's affected you so much that your, the trajectory of your life has changed because of this person and their, their art. 
that's fascinating to me. You know, that's fascinating. So really, really uh, solid conversation there. A lot of meat on that bone, so to speak. And we definitely learned some uh, new words and learned about some new foods. That's always fun. That's right. Duke Loves Wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter, DukeLovesWrestling at gmail.com. As always, let me know what you think. Whatever or wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure you give us a uh, five-star review, thumbs up, whatever you want to call it there. I appreciate those, as always, certainly. And uh, that does it for this week, man. Listen, next week again, I'm definitely going to be putting out something on the genius Lenny Poffo. So stay tuned for that. Might put out two episodes next week. We'll see. Until then, be kind to yourselves and then be kind to others. Happy Valentine's Day. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.